the optimal life. Hello, sir. How are you today? Nate, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this and uh, what, you know, should be a, a good conversation and informative one at that. Likewise. This is uh, something that affects so many Americans. When you were watching, do you watch the NBA finals that just finished the other night? You know, I've watched a little bit. I, not, I'm not a diehard NBA guy, but I, I do watch here and there, you know. Um, are you able to still, I'm, like, are you able to watch the games? What, I know NFL was really your, your thing. Are you able to watch games these days without thinking about the gambling aspect of it? Well, yes and no. That's a great question. You know, I, I, I'm able to watch games now without having the urge to gamble on them, you know, whereas before, you know, I'm seven years into my recovery now. The first couple of years were really difficult, you know, going to a game, especially a football game and looking around and wondering what, you know, is this really a thing? People actually go to these games without having thousands of dollars on them, you know? So that was, that was tough at first, but now I'm able to watch them for just for the sake of watching a game and enjoying it for what it is. But at the same time, I also notice all of the different, um, gambling aspects to these to these games and all the different mentions and advertisements and that sort of thing that relate to gambling. Yes. You can't get away from it now between the DraftKings, FanDuel, the sports book, all these different uh, bar stool, all these everywhere you go, especially with online, uh, there's always gambling being thrown at us. Yahoo Sports, fantasy football, all of it, right? It's everywhere, you know, and and I'm in Washington State and, and I don't know how many states uh where sports betting is, is legal now, but we have state sponsored sports betting in our state now. Whereas before, as you know, it, it was just in Nevada and um, New Jersey, I believe, you know, for, for, for years. And now it's so much more accessible and it's promoted, you know, like you said, it's just, it's, it's, it's common. Every, every, every game uh, you can't go two or three minutes without some sort of, of, of mention of gambling or anything like that. Yeah. It's uh, it's amazing. I, I saw a statistic: eighty percent of people in America gamble. Adults, eighty percent. I, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but gamble on sports at least one time throughout a year, uh, an, an annual period. Um, it's a staggering number. What, regardless of what the number is, I know it's it's extremely high, and it's gotten higher and higher, and it's affecting people at a younger age now too, like teenagers. And that's the thing. That's the thing. You're absolutely right. You know, and, and, you know, grown adults, if they can, if they want to gamble responsibly, fine, you know, but what we're, what we're, where we're, where we're failing is we're not educating our kids about what can happen if they're, if they're prone to addiction, you know, and, and, and addiction comes in many different forms, but if you're susceptible to it, if addiction runs in your family, you know, we, we, we educate our kids on the dangers of drugs and alcohol, but we don't, we don't when it comes to gambling. And that's where, that's where I try and focus my efforts is, is towards the younger people, high school kids, college kids, um, you know, 8%. I read a study recently where 8% of college students already have gambling addictions, you know, and it's, it's just so much more accessible now than, than it ever was before, you know, it's from your, your phone or anything you can, you can gamble. And, and if you, if you're not cognizant, if you're not aware of it, it can sneak up on you, you know, and then, and then lead you down the wrong, the wrong path, which is where it took me. Yes. I'm just thinking about all how technology's changed. 
We now have access, a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old kid has access to the Robinhood apps, to the sportsbook apps, and they don't, nobody's teaching them how to manage money. No one's teaching finances, especially in high schools, middle schools, even college. There's no teaching that, but instead you're being thrown into the, you're, you're be, basically being thrown into the fire and saying, Hey, you could win this money. You could, you could put your $300 that you have, <laughs> right. You, you could, this is so much easier and uh, and it's affecting them. And then they have nothing to show for it. I want, let's go back to you. Let's go back to your story. And I want to dig into really what you went through and, and how you've overcome it. Take us back. When, when did you start having an issue with sports gambling? You know, it really started to become an issue right around, uh, I think it was 2001. You know, I remember back to that kind of that period of time. I won, I hit a uh, parlay, a 14 parlay, a college football parlay. And I think it paid me, you know, I just put 50 bucks on it. And I think it paid me, I don't know, 600 or something like that. Um, And at the time for me, that was a lot of money. And I thought, well, this is easy. <laughs> you know, I could, I could do this. I could make my living gambling and, and because I, I'll just do the research and I'm really good at it. Or so I thought, well, you know, what happened was I just started betting more and more and more. And I was betting, you know, gambling with my friends and I didn't see the harm in it. We were having fun with it, you know, hundred bucks here, 200 bucks there. But what began to happen um, as we get into kind of 2005, 2006, around the time I got married, um, I, I began working for myself. I was a contractor, you know, and so I had access to money, not always my money. You know, I had access to the customers would, would, would pay me to do these jobs and they would give me big twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 deposit checks for a project. And so what was happening um, was I was gambling more and more and more. And I was, I was digging myself a financial hole. And in my head, you know, so to the gambler, it almost becomes a game of chase, right? You're just, you're chasing one bad bet after another. And that's what I started to do in my head, rationalizing these decisions. Well, I'll just take five or $10,000 of this deposit money that my customer gave me. And I'm going to gamble with it because in my head, I'm just going to win more, right? That's the, that's the mentality of a gambling addict. We're just going to win more and more and more. And so it starts this cycle. And then, you know, as I got into kind of late 2009, 2010, it really started to, to progress and to the point where, you know, um, I started to commit crimes because I was running out of financial resources, you know? Um, so that's kind of where that, that took me around that period of time. And then as we can get into eventually led me to jail. Well, let me ask you, so you're taking the money, you're taking customer deposits, and instead of allocating that money to the company and to the business, you are using at least portions of it to feed the gambling addiction. And you figure, well, I'm eventually going to win it back. I'm going to win bigger. These are the things that are going on in your head. So I'll be fine. I won't have to worry about paying my suppliers materials. When does that start catching up to you? Uh, you know, was it, was it a month later? Was it a year later? How did that go? Yeah, I mean, amazingly enough, I was able to play that 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 game for five or six years before it really, you know, around 2010, 2011 is when that caught up with me. Um, you know, I would, and, and again, my, 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 my motives were not to take people's money and hit the road. I was always 
I had convinced myself that I was just going to win more and, and, and get the jobs done. So what happened around 2010, 2011 was, yeah, my customers started to, you know, they would call the state, they would call the police, they would report me, um, Hey, this guy took our money and we haven't seen him in two months, you know? Um, and, mm. and so that's about the time where things started to go sideways and, um, Let me ask you, Patrick, is it because yeah. you were so far deep in the hole at this point, five years of aggressive gambling with that kind of money where you just, you, you didn't have it. You were, you were scrambling. Yeah, I was scrambling. I was approaching a million dollars in debt at that point. And wow. Yeah. It's just, a, it's, it's, it, yeah, I had, you know, 15 to 20 at one point, 15 to 20 clients that I owed money to. And I was, I was, I would. I had hundreds and hundreds of phone calls per day from, from people and trying to track me down. And it, 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 those were dark times. Okay. And I was scrambling and I was trying to find money here so I could pay this guy off and trying to find money here. And I was doing whatever it took short of robbing a bank um, to get money. And again, it just goes back to the sickness, this, this um, addiction I had going on, going on inside me to where I had convinced myself that I can somehow dig myself out of this hole if I just had $20,000 or $30,000. And I kept telling myself that. And yeah. And to, so it got to the point mm. where eventually I reached, you know, over a million dollars of debt and, you know, the walls were closing in. This all happened was occurring after you had just in, in that time period, you had gotten married as well. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the other side to this, to this story is that, uh, my wife and I got married in 2006 and she didn't know this was going on. I mean, she knew there were financial issues clearly. I mean, we had, there were all sorts of issues. Okay. As you can imagine, you know, um, but I was, she, I, she trusted me to handle the bills. And so I would pay the mortgage or I was in charge of paying the mortgage. Well, I just stopped paying right. Um, altogether, you know, because I had to gamble with that money. I didn't, I, I couldn't waste good gambling money on the mortgage. <laughs> you know, So, um, she did, but she didn't know the root of it, you know, because I kept as gambling addicts, we're really creative with our lies and we, we almost spin people in circles with, with our nonsense. Right. And so that's what I did. She just couldn't pinpoint the root of the problem. And I had a story for everything until mm. I didn't, you know, and we can get into that in a minute, but the first, you know, yeah, I mean, those years, those early years of our marriage were up and down and, you know, um, let me ask you, because you mentioned that you didn't want to waste good gambling money on the mortgage. And I would imagine that that mentality kind of seeps into everything in life, everyday life, right? I assume that you, you, instead of maybe going out to dinner and having, uh, this is, I don't want to spend money on dinner. I could use this money to gamble. It's everything. It's all consuming. It, 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 it became my life, right? And so I, I, even, I, I had become a professional liar too, because I was trying to cover up the gambling. I mean, that's yeah. just how it, that's just, it just, it just, um, permeates through everything that you do. And even if I would, I would lie about something that had no, no, um, nothing to do with gambling, just because that had become my mentality, um, with everything I did. And so, yes, it does. It seeps into everything. You know, I don't want to spend money on my son's school tuition because, you know, I can, I can put that on a, on a three team parlay and I can win thousands of dollars, you know, and it was everything, you know, everything, nothing was, um, everything took a backseat 
to, to gambling for me during that period of time. And then on top of it, I asked, talk about when you actually would make those wins where the three team parlay would hit. Isn't it true though, that, okay, you have a brief dopamine hit. It lasts for a very short period of time, but it's not enough, right? No matter how much you're winning, it's not quite enough. Right. And that's it. You just hit on it. It's, you know, the dopamine is, is, is the whole thing with the gambling addict and it was never enough, you know, the, the, the wins, Oh yeah. I had some wins, you know, I, I had some, some big wins and, but it was almost, um, you know, they were anticlimactic really because I would just, I knew, well, okay, great. I just won 15 grand or 30 grand. I'm just going to double it up on something else until I lose, you know, mm. but I mean, in the back of my mind, I knew that. And I think that's probably why I would never get too excited about the wins, but you know, it was, it was all the planning and the, and the hustling to get the money to go that goes into the gambling. You know, and then when I won, yeah, it was great for a couple of minutes, but then that money's going to be, eventually that money's going to be gone anyway. Did you also find yourself with any substance abuse issues during this time? You know, not really. I mean, I was, I was drinking pretty heavily during that time. You know, I would almost, um, I never lost complete control like I did with gambling with the alcohol, but I was drinking, I was drinking heavily at night, especially just, I think just to kind of numb the pain and help me go to sleep, you know, because when I was alone at night after my wife and, and son were to bed, those were the worst times because I would just, I would just stare at the wall and think, what in the hell have I done? You know, and then almost drink myself to sleep because the, when the time I was sleeping was the only time I could relax because as soon as I woke up for the next, whatever, 16, 17 hours, it was mm. going to be a, a, a nightmare. And when you say it's going to be a nightmare, you wake up, is the, is the first thought gambling? No, the first thought is, is what lie can I tell my wife to smooth over whatever, whatever we're dealing with today? Because there, every day was something, you know, and, you know, and it all had to do with, it was all centered around the gambling and the finances and why isn't this getting paid and what's going on with this. And so it was, that was the first thing I did when I woke up is I was just, my head started spinning about all the stories I had to come up with to get through the day. So what, and then what, as an I'm example, working, if, my would, if you don't mind, Patrick, an example, your wife would wake up and you knew that, Hey, she's going to see this bill today or something financial related. And you start coming up with a story, a new narrative for the day. Absolutely. And th that's what I was constantly doing throughout the day is coming up with stories to get me through the day, whether it was my wife or customers or whatever, buy myself one more day. Mm. That was my mentality. Buy myself one more day without everybody breathing down my neck. What you know, kind of that's, story that's, would you tell her, Patrick? What kind of it, story, for it, example? Oh, I came up with all kinds of stories. You know, um, I don't know what, you know, like, for example, um, I had access to her account. She had access to my account, bank account. Um, she would go to use her, her debit card or something. and it, it wouldn't work because I had taken money out of her account without her knowing. And so, um, she would, well, my debit card's not working. What, what's going on? Do you know anything about this? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think they froze our accounts for some reason. I'll check, I'll call the bank and I'll find out what's going on. And I would, I would come up with this elaborate story about how I called the bank and, and I talked to this person and they say it might be uh, a couple hours and they'll have it fixed. You know, just, just stuff like that, you know? And she knew it was nonsense, I think, but she couldn't really, she had a hard time putting it all together because I was, Again, I had spun so many 
lies and spun her in so many circles. She didn't know what to believe. Now, where you feel um, the psyche, the emotional state that you're in, when that's happening, you're in a survival mode. You're in fight or flight mode. Are you feeling bad uh, when you're telling these blatant lies to her? Are, are you feeling bad for her? Are you feeling bad for yourselves? Or was the addict, was the gambling thing just so much more important than anything else that you didn't have time to think about feeling bad? I, I felt, I felt terrible. I mean, I felt, I felt awful every day, especially at the end of the day, coming home um, and looking her in the eyes uh, and trying to convince her that everything was okay, because all she wanted was just the truth. Right. And just, she just wanted to know that I was working hard and we were working towards the same goals. And I always told her that I was, um, but I had this sickness going on and I was actually sabotaging all of her hopes and dreams. And so, yeah, I felt terrible, you know, at the end of the day, uh, looking her in the eyes was, was the hardest thing I had, I, I could do, you know? Now she, did she know that you gambled at all? I mean, she knew that I, I had, had gambled before a little bit, but nothing, not, she, she had, had really no, no clue idea. that what you were doing. She had no clue. It was this, this severe and no. intense. She had no no clue that this was going on behind the scenes. Wow. You know, she just knew that we had we had serious financial problems, and I would come up with again all sorts of different scenarios and stories to try and um, justify why we were struggling and that sort of thing. You mentioned, and we'll circle back to your guys' relationship, but you mentioned um, spending time in jail. It had after years and years and years, a million dollars in the hole this severe addiction, which was impacting you every single day, uh, it had finally caught up. What, what happened that sent you off to prison? So, yeah, what happened was I, um, it, it goes back to, to a couple of my, when I was running my business, a couple of my clients, uh, again, filed complaints with the state, the state got involved and they, they charged me with, um, theft is what it was, you know, two counts of first degree theft for, for accepting money to them. What it looked like was, was just, you know, you hear the story, the, the narrative about me was I was just a shady contractor taking people's money and hitting the road. Well, that's not what I was doing at all, but that's what it looked like, you know? And so they charged me with theft and right. Yeah. And so I ended up going off to jail in uh, early 2015, mm. you know, and, but prior to that though, my family, if I, I'll rewind just a little bit prior to that, my family did discover what was going on and they, they arranged an intervention. So I actually went to treatment before jail. They found out, how did they end up finding out? So my father-in-law um, got an email from a family member of mine. One of my last efforts to, 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 to get money or borrow money was an email I sent to a family member just saying, Hey, I'm finding $30,000. I've got some serious gambling debts. I, I finally admitted it to a, a family member, not my wife. I've got some gambling debts I need to pay off. I'm done gambling, but I need to pay these, these people off or they're going to come after me. Um, and so my family member, that family member turned it over to my father-in-law. And then he, of course, got my wife involved. And then, you know, they arranged this, this intervention literally within two days. Mm. Um, and then I was off to treatment that same day. Now, then shortly thereafter, you get charged. You get charged with these serious crimes. When you actually, yeah, go ahead. When you, when you ultimately had to sit back down with your wife and now say, oh my God, I've got to tell her that 
that I'm being charged like as a criminal. I'm being charged with stealing, theft, fraud, whatever. Was that was that one of the lowest moments of your life? Yeah. So the way this went down was it was it's a little different than that because I had actually been charged. You know, the legal process takes a while to play out before you actually get sentenced. I had been charged a year and a half prior to this and been going to court basically every six weeks as these hearings just got, they, they would continue these hearings for, for months and months and months. So this was actually going on before my wife even knew any of this. So, mm. so, so you were <laughs> able to even keep that a secret from your family. Somehow I was able to keep that a secret, but you know, and so the, the, the interesting part about this though, is had they not discovered this um, in early January of 2015, once they discovered this, they, they, they figured all this, they started to figure stuff out. And then they realized I had been charged. And then after I went to treatment, I was coming back for my actual sentencing. But the interesting thing was, had they not found out and I went in for my sentencing in uh, March that same year, I would have been sent off to jail right then and there. And then my wife would have had no idea why, what, you know, no idea that I had ever been charged with anything so actually in a way it was good because i was able to we were able to kind of talk through that that situation before i actually went to jail yeah she didn't get completely 100 blindsided where one day not by that right not by that in that specific instance uh, right. looking back during that tumultuous time was there was there a rock bottom moment with you and your wife you and your family uh there was yeah and i you know for 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 a while I, I kind of looked at jail as my rock bottom, you know, but I, I've, looking back on it now, I don't think that was rock bottom. I think that was actually my turning point, you know, in jail, I had time to kind of process and get some clarity in my head for the first time in years. But looking back on it, I think rock bottom was late 2014. So kind of a few months before that, um, I was completely out of money, had exhausted all avenues and resources. Now, I'll never forget it. Um, I had, I had zero, I had no money. Um, I had no gas in my car. My wife was at work and I went into my son's bedroom and I took $9. Look, I was like $9 and 50 cents out of his piggy bank. Everything my, my, my son was five years old at the time, drained his piggy bank that he had put, you know, he puts little quarters in there every once in a while, $9 and 50 cents. And I took it out and put, put it in my gas tank. And I remember mm -hmm. I did that and I, I pulled off to the side of the road after that. And I cried for like a half an hour, just stared out the window and just cried because I had, I mean, what kind of father does that? Right. And so that was it. I, that was rock bottom for me, you know, and, and um, when you start taking advantage and, and taking money from your five-year-old son, that's, that's as low as it gets. Yeah. And typically when you have a rock bottom moment like that, which that's gut wrenching, man, hearing you even say that is, is absolutely gut wrenching. Um. But it quite often takes that type of moment in order to have that epiphany, like, holy shit. I mean, that might have been the first, I don't know, but that might have been the first time you really cried throughout this entire gambling addiction experience, right? Yeah, it really was, because I think before that, I was just too afraid to, to allow myself to think about how bad it had got, you know, but at that moment, I was, you know, I was, I was contemplating suicide and I had reached the lowest of the low. Yeah. I mean, and, and 
that's it. That's when it, you know, it really set in. And fortunately for me, that was, that was just about the beginning of the, of the end, you know, where things started to turn around. So you go off to prison or jail. How, how long did you serve in jail? It was, it was four months, four months. And Which doesn't uh, seem like a long time, but it's long enough. <laughs> yeah. And I assume your marriage is of course, at this point on the rocks, I mean, you might not even know what's, uh, did you have a lot of communications with your wife and your kids when you were in jail? It was pretty sporadic, really. You know, mm -hmm. my wife is still, while I'm, while I'm going through the treatment and then, and, and then ultimately jail, my wife is still sorting through the years and years of, of, of bullshit. Right. So she's, she's uncovering um, things that she knew nothing about. She had to hire three different uh, attorneys. She had to hire a, a, a criminal defense attorney, a financial attorney and a divorce lawyer you know, and so our communication, when we did talk, it wasn't, uh, wasn't great. You know, I was calling her from a jail phone, you know, um, wow. and it was most of those conversations were, Hey, guess what I just discovered in the last three days that you've been doing, you know, um, or that you've done to me in the last five years that I knew nothing about. So yeah, my marriage was, was, I mean, on the rocks is, is putting it mildly, you know, yeah. and, and my son at the time, I didn't know what my, my son knew or, you know, when I was going to see him again, or if I would see him again, I didn't know any of that at the time. Wow. So you get, you get out of jail and you're telling yourself, I'm turning my life around. When I get out of here, I'm absolutely done gambling. What, absolutely. what, yep. what did you start? What are some of the things you started doing to help? What was the recovery process once you got back out of jail? Yeah. So for me, I just, I left jail. Um, and I had some, like I said, I had some clarity in my head for the first time. And I, I walked out of that place and I, I, I didn't know how I was going to do it. Um, I didn't know if I was going to get a decent job ever again. Um, but I knew that I was done gambling and I knew that I, I could, I could make my life better one way or the other. I was going to do the right thing from here on out. And so what I did was I just went right back to work. I, I got a job, I got hired, um, by a landscape company at the time. And I thought, wow, this is, this is great. I can go right back to work. But I did that for a while and realized, you know, I'm 43 years old. I can't be doing this kind of work for the rest of my life. I'm going to, you know, I'll break down. So um, eventually I ended up getting a, a, a much, you know, a really nice job working for a great company and that sort of thing. But I, I just immersed myself in, in recovery. I went to meetings, you know, just like AA or, or NA, I went to GA meetings, Gamblers Anonymous, you know, and, it was, um, being around, oops, excuse me. It's all right. We'll keep it going. Oh, there we are. Sorry. I lost you. But it was, it was just immersing myself in recovery and staying true to what I was taught in treatment and not deviating from that and not going back into the same environments that I used to go back into, you know, that would may trigger these gambling, um, cravings, you know, what, so what are, what's some, Someone that's going through this right now, they're having this, th these urges. What are some of the things that they can do? Some of the things that you were using in, in the tools and tips that you were doing to at least kind of mitigate that urge and say, no, I, I don't want to go down this path. What, what are some low hanging fruit things they can do? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is it, it, I would say to people is if, it, it, first of all, talk to somebody about it, you know, whether it's, and you, you don't have to talk to a friend or if you're, you're too embarrassed to bring it up to a friend or a family member, call, 
GA or call call talk to a stranger or go to a meeting. I mean, I went to meetings all the time, and you know, you, we we all we've all seen them. You know, you sit around in a in a circle and you tell your story. Well, you know what? To the attic, that's 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 pretty important. You know, to to be able to share your struggle with people that are struggling like you and can appreciate what you're going through. That's huge to surround yourself with with people like that versus you know, people that don't understand addiction or have never been around it or just view it as, as a choice. You know, um, that was the thing for me is a lot of people looked at me and just, they didn't understand what gambling addiction was and would just think, well, why don't you just stop? You know? And so to, to understand addiction is to know that it's not that easy, you know? So to uh, surround yourself with people that get it is, is kind of the main thing. And when you say talk to the people, this has to be verbal, right? This can't just be a text message or an email. Right. Yeah. That doesn't do it. You know, it's, it's, it's verbal. It's, it's talking to somebody on the phone or talking to somebody face to face and just being real. You know, a lot of times, you know, I come from a, I came, I was raised in a family that, that took what I call the old school approach to, to mental health and addiction. You know, if we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Right. And so I think, I think we're, we're, we're better at that now in, in society, but we're still not where we need to be. It's okay to talk about it. You know, it's okay to talk to people about your struggles, you know, because if you don't, you're not going to get through it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So talking, th- th- that's clearly the most important thing. And is that really, is that what it took was just continued talking group therapy, talk therapy to allow you to, get through that. And if that is what it takes, what are the, what are the, the things that you're telling yourself? Like what is the gambling anonymous person as they're coaching you? What are the things that you're telling yourself when you're getting the urge or you're seeing a fan duel commercial and it kind of starts seeping back in possibly, where do you then go in your mind so that you just kind of squash it? I go back to, I, I have a couple of things that I go, I go right back to the time I spent in jail sitting on my bunk, drinking cold coffee at the end of the night and staring at staring at the walls and looking at people surrounded by people that don't give a shit, you know, that, that, that have, are resigned to the fact, resigned to their fate in life. They've accepted the fact that they're going to spend the rest of their life in and out of jail. I go back to that experience and that, that pulls me right out of it. You know, not everybody has that though, you know, so I have got a lot of, <laughs> experiences I can draw from to snap out of the, those situations and those cravings and those urges, you know, but not everybody w- took it as far as I did, you know? And so to them, I would say just, just, um, find things to keep yourself occupied that don't relate to gambling or, you know, if, if you get into that mode or you start going down that road, just find other things to keep your mind occupied that are, that are totally unrelated and, and focus on those, and that usually helps to, to kind of um, snap out of that. Hmm, interesting. So you started turning your life around. You got a job. You're working. You're done gambling. You're going to GA. You're talking with people. You're feeling better about yourself. But you have a really important relationship, the most important relationship in the world to m- mend. And that, had a t- that takes time. So when you sat down and you started trying to this new phase of your life and you're sitting there with your wife, Erica, and you guys are talking to each other, like, how, how is she, how is she get, how does she get to a point where she could ever even trust you, Patrick? 
It took a while. You know, I mean, you, you, you break that bond. I mean, once trust is broken, it's really difficult to get that back. Okay. And so, you know, it took, it took, I mean, we're seven years into it, you know, it's still, there's still things that come up that, that will trigger her, my wife, you know? Um, but you know, it took three, four years really before we were in a place where I think she, she could really put her trust in me, you know? And we're, like I said, we have a foundation now that we didn't have before, you know, where there's full transparency. We know everything that she knows everything that's going on with me, but yeah, there are still situations where if something happens or, there's a miscommunication it, it it will trigger her sure you know and, and you know and so those are things that we still have to work on you know and we both still go to therapy i mean i probably will for the rest of my life and my yeah. wife will too you know to kind of work through all of these trust issues that that were um built up over the course of 15 years or 10 years really when you say trigger it could be a miscommunication but immediately she goes right back to Oh my God, he might be doing it again or lying to me about something, you know, making up a story, a new narrative, new narrative. For, yeah, for sure. And, and yeah. that's, that's been hard for me, but I, I have, I've come to a place in my life where I, I, I need to step back and understand what she went through, what I put her through, you know? And so, um, I look at her sometimes like, you know, I'm not hiding anything from you. I mean, this is, we're, we're I'm, I'm on your team and she's like, well, you weren't, you know, for a long period of time. And so, please allow me some grace to get to work through this. You know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. This had to be extremely traumatic for her. And I assume she may need therapy for this for a long time because yeah, I mean, she, you're living, she, you're yeah, living with she, a straight, you're living with a stranger. You, you, she was living with a person who she thought she knew it. And, and it was somebody totally different, unfortunately, because of the addiction that you were fighting on a daily basis. That's, that's it. Exactly. You know, she thought she had married, um, me, but she didn't, she married a gambling addict. And that mm. is a, you know, I, it was almost like this, yeah, like this split personality. I was a completely different person behind the scenes telling her, you know, sharing all of our, like I said, our hopes and dreams and all the things we wanted to do together all the while sabotaging that because of my addiction. And so, for her, yeah, she went. She was diagnosed with PTSD after this, you know, and and has has worked through a, an awful lot to get to where she is today. And so, you know, she's she's amazing, and you know, I have nothing but. I mean, she's the hero of, of this story for sure. Well, God bless you guys, and continued success, and continue to repair your relationship. Like you said earlier, it's just one day at a time. And that theme holds true in this situation as well. One day at a time. Um, before we finish it up, tell us about your, uh, what, what's your mission now with all this stuff? Yeah. So one good thing, one of the, one of the many good things I, I found through all of this was my purpose. You know, we all have a purpose in life, I believe. And I didn't really know what mine was, but my purpose now is to, to help those that struggle, you know, um, I embraced recovery. Um, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm not um, embarrassed by it. <clears throat> um, I did a lot of bad things during my addiction, but at the same time, there are a lot of good people that do bad things when they're uh, when they're in a, in their addiction. And so, what I do is I try and reach out to those people, just let them know, hey, it can get better. You can get your life back. You just got to stick to the plan and find your true self. And then I also like to to 
meet with young people, like I said earlier, college kids and high school students, and just let them know about what the dangers are when it comes to gambling and what can happen. So those are, those are two of the main things I try and focus on. That's beautiful. And do you guys, do you have anywhere online that you'd like people to go come find you? Yeah, they can go to my Twitter uh, at Patrick Chester nine, the number nine. Um, they can check out my website, which is, should be up and running now. Uh, it's patrickchester.com. And then I'll be, um, I'll be doing a Ted talk here in October uh, in Spokane. And so I'm looking forward to that. I just finished writing a book, which should be out in the fall as well. Well, fantastic. Fantastic stuff. Hey, uh, th- this is very insightful and I wish you nothing but continued success on this recovery journey. Uh, really appreciate you being vulnerable and open. And, uh, like you said, sometimes we got to go through some real tough shit to, uh, turn things around. Sometimes we need those rock bottom moments to really, sometimes you just need to, you need to get to that place where you're taking money out of your kid's piggy bank or whatever it is in your life where, where it's like, Holy shit, man, this is, it can't get any lower. Because sometimes you, if you don't go as low as that, you'll never, you always stay in that addiction. You'll never turn things around. So I wish you nothing but the best, my friend. And uh, uh, look, look forward to seeing your impact on uh, the next generation of up and coming people. Hey, Nate, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate this. It was a great opportunity. Take- Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course. You could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps. Wherever you may be listening, please tell a friend, tell a family member. Let them know about the podcast. And we will see you next time.